like, hello, Maguire, he's a good boy. And he's like, I'm not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to About Bloody Time, where I can finally do Effie Trinket's voice. May the pod be ever in your favour. Oh, Christ. Well, alrighty then. The theme of this mini-sode is that we're going to have a chill chat about the books that started it all, The Hunger Games. After ten years of you suggesting it, I finally read The Hunger Games. And I, I fell in love with it. So let's get cracking, yeah? I've got to admit, I was super confused when you just randomly text me to say stuff about the Hunger Games. Yeah, I mean, I don't tell you anything I'm doing until I start commenting on it. No, and it was very strange. Because I had forgotten that I told you to listen to it, or read it, or watch it. So, what were your thoughts about the first book? Um, Their world isn't that immersive compared to, you know, Hogwarts. Hogwarts and everything feels like it could exist, whereas The Hunger Games, you know it's like a completely different universe. That's another thing about the immersion. They, um, They make no mention of the other countries meaning the rest of the world could literally be perfectly normal. <laughs> That's one of the only problems I had with it. I like to know how how the apocalypse happened. You can't mm. get to a post-apocalyptic future without there being a pre-apocalyptic present. Neither of us have read Songbirds and Snakes yet because we're planning to in a future episode. But I really hope Songbirds and Snake, Snakes will kind of add to that world. I hope so. Because I like was, that. Uh, I like seeing how a world does rebuild. Yeah. I mean, he was there at the very, not, not at the very beginning, but he was there pretty early on in the dystopian future. Yeah, I suppose the... he would have been one of the first generations born after the war. Yeah. Sadly, it's an unimmersive world outside of the perspective of this one character. I think so. I hadn't really thought about it like that. But now that you mention it, it's, it's very true. There are books that I can get really get into, like mm. Daisy Jones, where I can see everything happening. And I can yeah. in The Hunger Games, but it doesn't feel like it could happen. It still has that sort of distance from reality. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> she doesn't have much room to move if she wanted to write another book. Other than, you know, with characters that have been previously used. You wouldn't be able to get a story without a victor in it. No. Because otherwise it would be just a very boring book about a minor. Well, some series similar to this, they have gone into how the apocalypse happened. And although you know that things aren't going to end well, they still write another book or series to complement it. Now, the only way she could expand as if she went further and further back that's what I mean she'd go to the war that started it all I suppose it's a bit messy well it is and you always know 
this is a problem I have with spoilers. I can't really connect with characters if I know that things aren't going to go well for them because I just mm. spend the entire book, film or whatever waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's a difficult one because prequel is done well if it builds the story more or doesn't involve a prequel but set in a different continent or something. They did build a good world when at the very beginning of the book. I mean, a very narrow world, but um, it took a very long time to get into the arena, and I think that served the book really well. So do I. Because I think it would have been a bit of a cop-out if it had just been, like, 10 pages of build-up and then, boom, they're in the arena, 200 pages of them hacking the shit out of each other. I think it would just be torture porn otherwise. It's a book about the politics and then us seeing the side effects of it with a bit of, you know, entertaining (laughs) gladiatorial games kind of thing. And even they aren't. I mean, it's not like hand-to-hand fighting a lot of the time. Most of the time she's just running around the wilderness trying not to get killed by the traps. Actually, I've... For the first time ever, I've just realised the whole con- the whole concept is based on the idea of the gladiatorial games. Everything the capital does is to try and embrace the ancient Roman ideals. You only just got that? Yes, I've only just got that while talking about it. Oh my Congratulations. god. Because <laughs> if you think about it, the really the favoured gladiators would be given weapons. i.e. the careers would be given training um and put into teams whereas the the uh, prisoners and the war criminals would just be thrown in the pit with maybe then they've got got the animals and they've also got i mean finnick in himself he's like that i can't remember the gladiatory that had the um nets nets. and the tridents yeah there was that yeah there was that they made it look like a fisherman. Oh, Suzanne, you're a clever woman. Just build your world a bit more and then we'll talk. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. See what's see what's going on there. I don't think I... I one of the perspectives is, is Snows. That makes me feel awkward. It I, does, because... I'm hoping I, that she doesn't make him nice. I don't think she can, because... There's no way... No, there's no secret. I don't think that you can pull a Snape on Snow. No, definitely not. Well, Snape, Snape, you can make him into a sympathetic character, but he was still, you know, abusive to a child. <laughs> he still put his resentment on. But Snow is an actual monster. <laughs> like, he's a tyrant. He's a... I'm going to go there. He's a rapist. And he's, you know, a child slave, you know. Because I can't see how we can ever like him. No. But also, I don't want to do the typical um, multiple points of view things with a book where they eventually get together, and I have a feeling that they're going to. Oh, Jesus. Because it's a male and a female perspective. Ugh. At least from what I've seen or heard of. So we've just got on like a little rant about um, old, ugly... So, what was your worst character? It's a toss-up, because they're basically the same people, but Queen and Snow. I think Queen is worse. 
but I hate snow more. I think they're on par with each other. Coins, I think if she had access to the same amount of power, she would pull a snow. She's an opportunist. That's worse. Um, And she's manipulative and she twists people as well. Like, look at what happened with Gail. Right. My, I couldn't pick a worse character because I think both presidents are basically as bad as each other. Um, So I'm going to say Snow and Coin. I think, well, I hate Snow more because he got the opportunity to do everything bad. But I know Coin would have been worse. She would. She's just a tyrant with slightly less power. She had I find her more... She did. I find her much more manipulative because she not only believes in her cause, but she gets everybody else to believe. I think what's worse about her, though, is because um, she uses other people's desperation. Like, oh, God, the bit where the cow breeder comes up to Katniss and basically says to her that to coin her District 12 survivors are nothing but breeding stock. Mm. And I was like, that's actually like a big uh, red flag. That means that she is, she she may not see everything as um, a pleasure way. So that's exactly what Snow was doing with Victors that were pretty. Snow is doing it out of pleasure. And Coin is doing it out of what she perceives as necessity. and But it makes it worse because she makes other people feel like they have. Like, Snow does it with force, but she's using emotional manipulation, making them feel like they owe her. So, of course, they're going to obey her rules. Of course, they're going to, you know, buy into this, you know, breeding scheme and give over everything. Whereas Snow is taking it from them, Coin is manipulating them into giving them. You know what I mean? Yeah, because she's doing it in such a way, as you've said, that they feel they have to do it, but they can also see the point of doing it. Because I'm sure once the um, cattle guy says that, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I guess we have been underground for X number of years. And there's only so many times we can breed with each other before the kids are going to be inbred. It's like it's one of the major things most dystopian worlds do. So enough of those anger making uh, so and so's, those tyrants. Let's talk about our favourite characters. Ah, and I see where you're going with this. So why don't you start us off? Finnick O'Dare is my favourite character because he's the most complex that I know of other than Joanna. And Joanna is a bit too of a... You know, she's a bit too much of a live wire. Uh, but also, my favourite scene in the entire book series is when Finnick O'Dare grabs the freaking out Joanna and dunks her in water. And it is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> and I think, my headcanon, that that's just what they do in Fall when everyone gets a bit pissed off. You just I get just... launched into the nearest body of water. I just think it's like a weird thing that he does just him just and him. everyone everyone in district four is like what are you doing and then he's like i'm just uh cooling this person down dunk 
Oh my god, that could be the thing. Everyone else from the capital and all the other districts think it's a four thing, and all the people in four are like, mate, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I love it. (laughs) Yes, I agree. No. But, um, yeah, the reason he's my favourite is because he's complex. He's, you know, he's introduced as being this creepy, like, little Katniss says, oh, he... He would be attractive to everyone else, but I'm, you know, I'm not Amazing. into that kind of thing. Every time I see him lick his lips, it makes me think of snow. <laughs> He's just um, really smarmy, isn't he? Yeah. Because but... you just think, ooh, he's just, like, putting it on. This is how he seduces everyone. He's going to get all the um, all the tributes from people, and everyone loves him. This is just his character. Yeah. But then... As it goes on, especially in Mockingjay, when he finally steps up and Hamish is like, you don't have to do this. And then he explains every every preconception Katniss had of him. Now she realises in the moment when he confesses everything, he's like, no, I wasn't like that for just the sake of the games. I was like that because it was the sake of survival outside of the games. He is the character with the most progression Anyway, yeah. what's your favourite character other than my boy and John? Well, it's not going to be your Jonah. boy, is it? Because I was going to say Katniss. You can't, you can't not like her. I mean, you're in her head all the time. Yes, she's I mean, a bit annoying at times. I can safely say I cannot like her. Well, you're weird then. I'm not weird. She's annoying. I like, I like the growth as a character. She is annoying. I'm not going to lie. But then... It's just the way she sort of learns things. As you were saying with where she's like, oh, Finnick, damn. Mm. I like being with her in that journey when she's also kind of realising she's a bit of a bitch. I would, have needs help. To, I would have preferred to follow Peter around. <laughs> mm, Katniss. Mm, she's just yes. so judgmental. But I like that about her because you're seeing everything from her point of view, but also being like, Oh, wow, all of this is happening. I mean, I do get what I like the fact that her perspective of her mother's mental illness changes after the game. Mm. She starts to understand mental illness a lot more because she's starting to feel it because she's, you know, she had to face Rue dying. And that, I think that was a turning point for her beyond all of the others. Yeah, and being that connected to someone, not just because she was reminded of Primrose, but doing something for someone else, because at that point she was very much in the mentality that she had to get out, and if that meant that everybody else was going to die, then so be it. She was so selfish. Like, even Haymitch was like, yeah, shut up, princess. (laughs) (laughs) I think Haymitch says that a lot. I I love Haymitch. Haymitch is my second favourite character. Hell to Jo... Uh, jo- I was about to say Jolene. Hell to Joanna. <laughs> definitely Hamish. <laughs> and his wonky wig. What about Sinner? I thought you loved Sinner as well. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only reason Katniss won. Lenny Kravitz. I love that you thought he was like a concept. You didn't realise he was a person. I just imagine Lenny Kravitz being the type of person to be played in Brighton's, um, no, wait, Blackpool's Dance Hall, or whatever it's called. Aw, Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, Sinner. 
I like Sinner. Yeah, Sinner. Sinner's great. I like his gold eyeliner. Yeah, that's the only thing I like about that. Uh, that capitalness. He suits. No, you can tell. You can tell a good guy versus a bad guy. Because, um, when um, he walked into the room and he didn't have all that wild capital stuff, and you're like, oh, okay. So Suzanne wants us to relate to this man <laughs> because yes. he's the only one who's not wild. He is going to be extra special. He's, yeah. I thought I wasn't going to like him because he came out looking normal because, you know, if if you make a statement like he looked quite different to all the other people of, you know, the capital, then you think, oh, no, they're going to try and make us like him. So I automatically go, I don't like him, but I love him. Yeah, because he doesn't make Katniss do any crazy styles. He's understated. Yeah, unlike, you know, every other stylist who whips, like, makes these 14-year-olds naked and paraded in front of everyone, which is great. Like Joanna says when she was a tree one year. Yes. Joanna keeps on being made into a tree, but all the pretty districts keep on being made naked. With, like, a touch of gemstone or technology or something. Like Finnick, who is basically naked except for a strategically placed net. I mean, you weren't complaining. I was complaining. <laughs> I like my men in clothes, thank you very much. Okay, so what's your overall opinion? Oh, dear. Um, I okay, I'll not... tell you what your overall opinion is. Are you sure? Yep. You ready? Okay. Merlin is a genius and I should have listened to her sooner. <laughs> no. Merlin is not a genius. She's broken my heart several times in an unimmersive world that I love too much and I want Finnick to survive. Yeah. Stars. I think I already gave the first book five stars. The second, I think the second book is my favourite of the three. Um, so that's also five stars. And I haven't finished Mockingjay. It would be unfair to say five stars yet. I'm surprised you said the second one was your favourite. Why? Because I just thought it was much of the same as the first. No. Do you know what? What's different? Finnick. No, different. No, no, no. Different, more involved, more immersive characters and funnier moments. You actually felt like there was a team being brought together. The I characters... thought there was a whole lot of running around the clock, to be honest. No, the characters were more interesting. You got more invested. I didn't really care about anyone but, you know, Rue and Peter. Because they were all she cared about. I think, to be honest, I think the third book's probably my favourite. Because... You know, I like a bit of fighting against the dystopian rulers and all that, building the rebellion. And I liked being able to explore the capital a bit more, although they weren't exactly just going and shopping and being like, and on your left, we have such and such park. It mm. was quite interesting to actually be in just a su suburban environment. Because it's been a while and I haven't gotten fresh in my memory, I'm going to say three or four stars. Ooh, 
three. They're good books, but they're, I've read a lot of better books since. You made me read a three-star book? Uh, they were probably a five-star book at the time, but I have grown. Shall we get on with the uh, Merlin bit? Welcome to the Merlin segment. This is the part where I challenge Merlin to do something strange. I thought that was the whole point of the pod. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. But today, it is the summary challenge. Okay, I've thought of something to summarise, and I've been kind of prepared and done some bullet points. This is a problem you'll find that I have with series of books. I can't remember where each book starts and finishes. All right, go ahead. All right, so, drunk guy accidentally ends up taking a girl on a road trip. Along the way, he has an argument with his homeless-looking brother, and... Um, two social workers witness said argument and take the child into care um, kid ends up in a group home and our drunk guy's like well see ya bye um, elsewhere um, smash cut there's an angry old man plotting revenge against patriarchy with a lady who believes that clothing is optional revenge of the sick they turn a man into a jellyfish which was very traumatic as a child the child that hitched a ride with the drunk guy Oh my god. What's Runs away name? from the group home because she doesn't like it. Matilda. Nope. Um, the angry old man abducts the child because he decides that she's useful for his plans in making there everybody is jellyfish. Nope. There is no. nope. But what happens is that as he's abducting the child, the drunk guy who gets guilt-tripped into going to collect her from the station witnesses the abduction and tries to stop it. And it all Pirates fails. Of the Caribbean. Nope. So, Come on, it's Pirates of the Caribbean. No, it's not. He goes Drunk on a guy? slightly more sober mission to get her back with some help from the support workers at, at the group home. Are you sure that this is uh, Tracy Beaker? No. Um, in a computer game. So they all get in their leathers and stuff and off they go, save the girl that ran away from them. Sons of Anarchy? No. I've never um, watched it. So they have a fight with the child abductor's little crew, instantly at the Statue of Liberty. Huh? That it all ends. They save the child and take her back to the group home, teach her the meaning but... of chastity, and she li- lives emo-y ever after. Planet until the, the second film. Oh, I'm really not getting this on. It's X-Men. Merlin, you ruined it! <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to give me clues. Oh, am I? <laughs> 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 there you go, mate. <laughs> it's apparently expert. I thought you were meant to get it. You got, you guessed the last one. I didn't I'm know what was ex- meant to happen next. <laughs> I'm not meant to get it. I mean, like, if I get it immediately, fantastic. If I don't, I get in. I got excited. Instead, she just glammed on <laughs> into your own neck. Okay, so would you like me to explain everything as it actually happens? No, not really. I think well, I'm I going it. to anyway, so. Mm. Drunk guy is Wolverine. Rogue right. hides out in the back, back of his truck, doesn't she? As he's oh. leaving the bar fight. Yeah. And they're saved by the two social workers, a.k.a. the X-Men. Okay. The group home is obviously Professor X's school and... The drunk guy, Wolverine, does go, well, see ya, 
Elsewhere, the angry old man who's plotting revenge against patriarchy, Magneto. Against the patriarchy? Well, he abducts the president and turns him into a jellyfish. That was the most accurate part about that. Merlin, he's an (laughs) ex-meninist. Oh, that didn't work. It was so bad. (laughs) And the lady who believes clothing is optional is... Wango Django does it in the tango. Mystique, yes. So they take the child back to the group home, take her back to Professor X, and they teach her the meaning of chastity because she can't touch people, which we discussed oh, in the last episode. And then she lives emo ever after. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> You've made it impossible to guess. <laughs> I was thinking, like, all sorts. Tracy B, like... Some of the listeners won't even know who Tracy Beaker is. Look her up, it's not a bad show. Really? But I was hardly going to sum up Tracy Beaker, was I? And actually mention a group home, because that's too obvious. I mean, you could (laughs) have. Technically, it is a group home, and technically they do just pick her up, and they're like, well, we don't know where you came from or anything about you. Here you go. There you go, (laughs) Professor X. It's a school. It's like Hogwarts. Yes, but if I said school, you would have got it instantly. No, I would have said Hogwarts. Okay, so that was the Merlin Summary Challenge. Be honest, listeners, did you get what I was talking about? Or should we strangle Merlin for what she's done to your favourite show? We'll see you all on the 2nd of October, where we'll be discussing Me Before You and Fred Rising. As always, you can find us on Instagram and Tumblr at About Bloody Time Pod, where you can keep up to date and get in contact with us. I think you'll find we also have a Twitch. We're new to all the tech stuff, but we're definitely going to have a little play. First game will be Detroit Become Human. With my boy, Connor.